do unto others as you would have others do unto you. I don't know about you, but I heard this all the time growing up. Sometimes the lessons we learn as children get pushed aside when we are adults. Welcome back to Here on Purpose. I'm your host, Oriana Sells, and today we'll be hearing Pastor Karen Crawford discussing the Golden Rule. The following sermon is from ProvidenceWesleyanChurch.com. I just want to let you all know that we are in our sixth week of spiritual Jenga. And I'm sure that everybody here has played the game of Jenga at some point in their lives. You know, Jenga is a game of strategy that is focused on pulling the pieces from the tower of blocks and seeing who pulls the block out of the foundation and if the tower will come tumbling down. And I'd like to admit that my husband and I have played this game for about 20-something plus years, and I'm always the unfortunate one to pull the wrong block and everything just comes tumbling down. He's a far better strategist than I am. But for the past couple of weeks, we've had several spiritual blocks that have been discussed. And some of the topics that have come up have been the scriptures, the great commandments, the gifts of the spirit, and the fruits of the spirit. And for this Sunday, our block is the golden rule. So if you were journey with me to the reading of God's word from the gospel of Matthew, chapter 7, verse 12. I'll be reading this morning from the New International Version. And this is what the word of our Lord says. So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. Let us pray. Most gracious and eternal Father, we come into this sacred space to hear your word this morning. Lord, may your word be a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. Lord, it is my prayer this morning that some who may be confused would have some clarity. Those who may be hurting may have healing. And those who desire to have a better knowledge of you will gain it. Lord, I'm your mouthpiece and your servant. And I pray not just for physical strength, but spiritual strength as well to deliver your word to your people. To God be the glory. Amen. This part of the scripture is taken from the Sermon on the Mount which covers really chapters 5 through 7, the Gospel of Matthew. And I would encourage you during your devotional time to read those three chapters. This is Matthew's account of that day when Jesus went on a hillside near Capernaum and spoke to his disciples. This is at the very beginning of Jesus' public ministry. This sermon follows his baptism and temptation by Satan, where he began to announce the good news that the kingdom of God, long promised in the Old Testament, was on the threshold, and what Jesus had come to do was to inaugurate it. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 5, verse 17, do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them but to fulfill them. 
We should see the Sermon on the Mount this way. It describes what human life and human community should look like when we all come under the rule of God. Church, what does this look like for you and for me? Jesus emphasized that we as his true followers, the citizens of his kingdom, are to be entirely different from the world. We are to take our cues from the world, not from Kim Kardashian, not from our political leaders, not from the bachelor, not even from Beyonce, but from him. Jesus says in Matthew, the sixth chapter, eighth verse, do not be like them. My question for you this morning, church, how do we do that? How do we not be like the world? How do we take the golden rule and apply it to our lives? Well, we must look at the golden rule and what it measures. The first thing the golden rule measures is if we have the right mindset. Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 through 16 says, You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do the people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. You see, everybody here uses salt and light in their home. We need both. The light is an obvious commodity in today's world. But salt, we use it to season our food. And before refrigeration, salt was used as a preservative for meat. But what lies between these metaphors of salt and light is this. The church and the world are very different. The world is a dark place with little or no light at all. The world before us is deteriorating because of sinfulness. But, church, but the church has a double role here in the world. We are called to be a salt to hinder this process of social decay and a light to eliminate the darkness. Let me give you this. Every second Saturday, Pastor Justin, our outreach pastor, and members of this church go out in the community. They've gone down to Jankies down the street. They've gone to the, Habitat, to the Habitat for Humanity store and also to the nursing homes. Outreach every month is for our community to see that we are the salt and light in this world. That the community will come to know more about Christ through our actions. They are able to witness the salt, which is the church, come into their community and love on them. And if you haven't had an opportunity to volunteer at one of Pastor Justin's outreaches, you are missing out on an opportunity. Because one thing I've noticed, people are very shocked when we ask if we can pray for them. They're also, you also miss out on hearing someone say, I didn't know churches do this sort of thing. Or even seeing the joy on an elderly person's face when we play bingo with them at the nursing home. 
It's an experience. And I would encourage each and every one of you to be a part of it. But verse 13 says, you are the salt of the earth. And that means as the world decays, the church can hinder its decay by its action of servanthood, love, and righteousness. Being the salt means that the salt must retain its saltiness. Christian saltiness is one that is committed to Christian's discipleship in both word and in deed. Church, we don't want to lose our saltiness. Our influence as Christians in the world must be distinct, not identical to the world. There was a doctor named Martin Lloyd-Jones. He was a Welsh pastor. And he says this, the glory of the gospel is that when the church is absolutely different from the world, she will invariably attract it. It is then that the world is made to listen to her message, though it may hate it at first. And in verse 14, you are the light of the world. What this means, church, is that a Christian shining their light is their Christian testimony. When was the last time you testified to someone about a blessing you may have had? Perhaps a physical healing or a money blessing. Or even seeing a loved one come to Christ who after years of rejecting Christ finally accepts him. There's a lot of shining that we can do when we testify about how Christ has worked in our lives. Not only is the light of Christ shine, but he is glorified. A few weeks ago, myself along with Carol Damaski and her daughter Jennifer Bland were here just by chance. And they were here um, cleaning the restrooms, and you all may want to thank Ms. Carol for cleaning the restrooms and keeping everything so clean for us. But we were here, just the three of us. And what happened was an amazing Christian experience. The three of us testifying about the goodness of the Lord. It was as if the Holy Spirit himself dropped in on this building. Because you had three sisters in Christ testifying about how God not just took, took us out from under our circumstances, but brought us out on top. You know, when you do that, it, it shows people the goodness of the Lord and how the Lord works in people's lives. When you testify about the Lord, you must have church the right mindset because you want the light of Christ to shine in this dark world. And this moves me along to my second point in what the golden rule measures, and that is if our heart is soft towards God. Matthew chapter 7 verse, verses 17 through 19 says, do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I tell you, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, not even the least stroke of a pen, will by any means disappear the law until everything is accomplished. Therefore anyone who sets aside one of the least of these commandments and teaches others accordingly will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever practices 
and teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. You see, the Pharisees, they were a group of Jews who obeyed very strictly both God's law and their own set of rules about God's law, thought that Jesus was there to abolish the law of Moses. But what Jesus is saying here is that he came to honor the law and to help God's people to love it, to learn from it, and to live it out. Jesus fulfilled God's law in every area of his life because nobody ever accused him of sin. He fulfilled it in his birth because Galatians 4, chapter 4, the fourth verse says, he, he was made under the law. Though Jesus did not submit to the thinking and attitude of the scribes and Pharisees, he always did what God commanded in the law, which is what God wants for us, to obey the law, not just in our thinking, but in our actions. We obey by listening to the Holy Spirit and allowing him to work in our lives daily. And with the right mindset, church, and a soft heart towards God, the third thing the golden rule measures is if our internal motiv motivations are broken. Matthew, the fifth chapter, verses 43 through 44 and verse 48 says this. You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. Be perfect. Therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. These verses stand at the very peak of the Sermon on the Mount. This is where our need of the Holy Spirit is needed. Nowhere does the law teach us to hate our enemies. Jesus has every right to command us to love our enemies because after all, he loved us when we were his enemies. We show the love of Christ by blessing those who curse us by doing to them and praying for them. When we pray for our enemies, church, we find it easier to love them. This is internal, a matter of the heart. It removes the poison that we feel, not just from our hearts, but attitudes. Jesus gave us this command for these reasons. The first reason is this. It shows the mark of Christian maturity. We have matured in our Christian walk. This proves that we are the sons and daughters of our Father. Two, it is godlike. Our love creates a climate of blessings that makes it easier to win over our enemies and make them our friends. And three, it is a testimony to others. God has expectations that we live on a higher plane than those who are lost. As Christians, we must return good for evil and make it an investment of love. You see, our Father loves his enemies, and he continuously seeks to make them his children. You know, about four years ago, the Charleston community suffered a terrible loss. 
where nine churchgoers were murdered during a Bible study at Mother Emanuel. I have to admit this was a rather horrific um, event. However, the most compelling comment came during the bond hearing of Dylan Roof when one of the victims, Nadine Collier, whose 70-year-old mother was one of the victims, says, I forgive you. And I reckon some of you are thinking, how can she forgive him after he decided that on that day he was going to determine when the sun set on nine lives. But you know, it makes me think back to my own personal experience. 19 years ago this month, my husband and I, our niece was murdered. And though I don't think about the person that murdered her, I think more about her and her legacy. I think more about her three children and if she were here, that she would be a grandmother. And I feel like to some degree when I was putting together this sermon, I feel like Nadine Collier's mother's spirit lives in her. Because it takes a lot to tell somebody, I forgive you. But I believe that Ms. Collier's mother implanted the love of Christ in her heart. And that, that's something to be commended. And really, all, just about all the victims that day told Dylan Ruth, I forgive you. And this takes me to my fourth point in what the Golden Rule measures. If our ministry aim will be effective. Matthew, the sixth chapter, verse 19 through 21 and verse 24 says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and vermin destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moth and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there is your heart, will be also. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to one and despise the others. You cannot serve both God and money. Jesus made it clear that a right attitude towards wealth is a mark of true spirituality. The Pharisees were covetous people and used religion to make money. Jesus never, never criticized poverty or legitimately earning wealth. God made all things, and God declared that all things he made are good. It's not wrong to possess things, but it is wrong for us to let things possess us. Church idolatry is dangerous. Being materialistic will enslave your heart, your mind, and your will. The treasures of this earth may be used for God, but if we gather material things for ourselves, we will lose our hearts with them. 
To lay up our treasures in heaven means that we use our treasures for the glory of God. We must measure life by the true riches of the kingdom and not by the false riches of this world. Too many times we put value on material things like cars, money, or houses. We cannot serve two masters at the same time. We must either love, serve Jesus as our Lord or money as our Lord. If God blesses you with riches, use them for his glory. Then the riches are truly a blessing. And this takes me to my fifth point in what the golden rule measures. The fifth point is if our momentum for God increases. Matthew chapter 7 verses 24 through 27 says, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall, because it, had, because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words in mind and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house. And it fell with a great cra crash. What this scripture is about, church, it's about obedience to God's word. See, the two men in this house had a lot in common. Both desired to build houses. Both built houses that looked sturdy and good. But when judgment, that's when the storms of life came, one of the houses collapsed. Let me give you this. Let's just say Violet and I both have houses. She has her house, and I have mine. Let's just say we both have the same set of tribulations. We got money problems, marriage problems, kids misbehaving at school. But instead of turning to the word, I walk away from the word of God. I don't want to have anything to do with God and his word. But if Violet, on the other hand, she does something entirely different. She turns to her Bible and sets her foundation on God's words. First, she turns to 1 Thessalonians, the fifth chapter, verse 17, which says, pray without ceasing. Then she turns to Psalm 30, verse 5, which says, weeping may endure for a night, but joy cometh in the morning. Church, she is building her foundation. She is steadily adding to it. She turns again to Job 13, 15, which says, though he may slay me, yet I will trust in him. The word of the Lord is Violet's firm foundation. And let me tell you, her house will stand forever. It's her faith and her obedience to God's word that is her foundation. Violet is a successful builder because she dug deep into the word of God and set her house on a solid foundation. You know, I, I was writing this sermon 
I wrote it since last week, but for yesterday I was going through some things and when I was reading this part, it took me back to when I was a child, when I was like 13 years old. And I was a member of the AME church. And I can remember the old saints being 13, I didn't get it. At 51, I get it now. But those saints in the church back then would stand up. We would sing, my hope is built. And those saints would stand up and they would sway from left to right. Left to right. But one of the things about this hymn is the refrain that I think applies here. It says, on Christ." The solid rock I stand. No other ground is sinking sand. Let me tell you, as the saints were swaying from left to right, they're swaying because of the storms they went through. There are storms. Think about it. You're not going to throw up your hand just because you're going to throw up your hands in church. You have been through something and you have a testimony to, to say you got something. And when, you're, and when they were swaying from left to right, they were swaying to the storms and the tri tribulations and the trials that they had been through. All the hell that they had been through. How God took them out of the hell and all those tribulations, all those storms that they had been through. That's what is me being mentioned here. Church, you got to dig deep into the word of God. And this coming August, we have small groups, lots of them. About 10 of them, I believe, where you can dig deep into God's word and set yourself on a firm foundation. Because I'm telling you, the storms of life will come. And if you don't have yourself planted in God's word, you won't know how to handle those storms. In church, when I look back on the past couple of weeks of our spiritual Jenga series, Everything that was discussed is taking us up to this very day. The commandments, the fruits of the Spirit, the scriptures, and how we handle also church and how we handle our possessions and treat each other. All that, everything is encompassed into the golden rule. Church, I'm, t I'm asking you, you, tell you rather, you must stay in God's word. God's word has impact. We can ask the Lord into our lives today to change our path and direction. The relationship we have with our Lord is unlike any other. It's unlike a marriage, unlike a friendship, unlike anything that money can buy. So this morning, if there is anyone who desires to change their relationship with the Lord or strengthen it, you don't have to leave your seat. You can just raise your hands if you desire to have your relationship with God changed. You can ask him to forgive you of any sins you've committed because he will forgive you. You can ask him to change the direction of your life. Whether it be your love of money, your love of material things, whether it be drugs, alcohol, or anything. Lord, the Lord can change your circumstances. All you got to do is ask. Thank you for listening to the Here on Purpose podcast. Don't forget to visit the show notes to connect with us on social media. 
And always remember, you are here on purpose. <laughs>